0: In Jesus and the Church Isaiah's promises in today's first reading have been fulfilled all who are spiritually thirsty can come to the living waters of baptism the spiritually hungry can delight in the rich fare of heavenly food this is the point two of today's gospel The story of the feeding of the 5,000 contains many allusions to the Old Testament. Jesus is portrayed as a David-like shepherd who leads his flock to lie down on green grass as he spreads the table of the Messiah's banquet before them. Jesus is shown also as a new Moses who feeds vast crowds in a desert place. Finally he is shown doing what the prophet Elisha did satisfying the hunger of the crowd with a few loaves and having some left over. All the miracles of our Lord the mighty works and signs and wonders that he did testify that the kingdom of God about which we have heard many parables lately has arrived definitively in the world. They also testify that he is the promised Messiah. It certainly would be profitable for prayerful reflection to imagine what effect the miraculous meal had not only upon the apostles but also upon the 5,000 who benefited from Christ's kind and gracious miracle. But rather than going down that track Because this miraculous feeding of the crowd is a prefigurement or pointing towards the institution of the Eucharist, I would like to remind us all today of the effects that receiving Holy Communion has upon us. For you see, we have even more cause to rejoice than those present on those grassy knolls for the miraculous feeding. Because we receive not miraculously multiplied bread, but the very body, blood, soul and divinity of Christ. So first, receiving our Lord in Holy Communion augments our union with him. The principal fruit of receiving the Eucharist in Holy Communion is an intimate union with Christ Jesus. Indeed, the Lord said in John chapter 6, verse 56, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Then what material food does for our bodily life, Holy Communion wonderfully achieves in our spiritual life. Communion with the flesh of the risen Christ preserves the grace received at baptism. It increases it and it renews it. Thirdly, the reception of Holy Communion separates us from sin. The Eucharist cannot unite us to Christ without at the same time cleansing us from past sins that have been forgiven in the sacrament of penance and preserving us from future sins. Then, also, as bodily nourishment restores lost physical strength, so Holy Communion strengthens our charity, which tends to be weakened in daily life. By giving himself to us, Christ revives our love and enables us to break our disordered attachments and to attach ourselves to him. Lastly, the Eucharist commits us in charity to others, especially to the poor. To receive in truth the body and blood of Christ given up for us, we are moved to recognise Christ in others, particularly in the least of his brethren. In conclusion, there are many reasons why Christ chose food and drink as the foundation of his new covenant. One is that eating of the fruit of the tree in the garden brought about Adam and Eve's estrangement from God through sin. So it is that eating the body and blood of Christ signals the new covenant of not just friendship with God, but of being an adopted son or daughter through grace. Likewise, eating means nourishment, the giving of life, the assurance that life will continue. Before the profound meaning and effects of Holy Communion, we can join St Paul in inexpressible wonder at the strength and depth of God's love for us. St. Paul said in the second reading, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, will be able to separate us from the love of God In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Laudato Jesus Christus.